Welcome to the Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Earlier this year, the 2023 Newberry Committee announced Free Water by Amina Lukman Dawson as this year's Newberry Medal winning book. I thought to myself, oh my, oh my, oh my goodness, I haven't read the Newberry Medal winning book. I have read all 100 plus Newberry Medal winning books. And I can say that no longer because I haven't read Free Water. I instantly bought a copy and thank goodness that I did because the book quickly sold out everywhere. When I got the book, I read it. I was blown away. Easy to see why the committee selected it as the most distinguished writing of 2023 in children's books. In today's episode of The Yarn, you get a chance to listen to a conversation between me and Amina about her beautiful book. We talk about her life and how it led to her becoming a writer, the 20-year process of writing Free Water, and her hope for this beautiful book. It's time to unravel Free Water. Tell us about Free Water. Thank you for having me. Uh, Free Water is a story of two enslaved children who escape and find themselves deep in a swamp. And in that swamp, they discover the maroon community of Free Water. And there, once there, they learn what it's like to be free. They meet other kids um, who have also escaped and others who have never known enslavement. And of course, you know, once you find freedom, you start to think about what power you have. And the power they felt that they had was to go back and rescue their mother from enslavement. And there starts the adventure. So I, I want to talk a lot about free water, but I, to you are a mystery to me. Like so often when someone wins a Newberry, I have read lots of their books and I followed their career on social media, but I have no idea who you are. So like, where did you get started? Were you a writer as a child? What was school like for you? Like help us understand how you became a writer for children. I have slowly um, worked my way into this, into this life, into this world. Um, I, as a child, I wrote, but I didn't, I wouldn't say I was a writer. I, I didn't see myself in that way. I loved reading. I was a big reader, especially in this middle grade age period. It was just the best time to drop mm-hmm. into books and drop into that world. Um, and then as an adult, I did very practical things. And so I went to school for practical things. And, but in the in in my evenings, I would moonlight writing, um, and I started writing articles. And then I started, um, I wrote a a book, um, a nonfiction book uh, that dealt with African American history. And then, as a mom, it became clear to me that I really did want to be in this space, if only because I wanted to see a book that I knew my kid would really want to read. And so, thus became my life as a writer for young people. And where did the idea for Free Water come from? Uh, the idea dropped in my head almost 20 years ago. Um, 20 years ago? Exactly, exactly. And imagine I was just sitting there um, making a list of things that I would want to write about one day. And um, in college, I learned about maroons. I'd never known before that. Uh, and I thought it was just mind-blowing information for me. Um, and these weren't even maroons in the United States. This was These were maroons in, in um, the Caribbean and in South America. And I just thought it was something I wish that everyone had known. I just, I just felt that it was important. 
And so when it came time for me to think of things I would want to write about, it dropped in my head. What if two children escaped enslavement and found themselves deep in some wilderness and they discover a maroon community? And that bit of story dropped in my head at that time. And I ran out and I did a little research in libraries and I even wrote down a couple of chapters. And of course, then I convinced myself out of it, life happened and I put the chapters down and picked it up maybe 10 years later and really decided to work on it. Did you still have that original work? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I found the original little, <laughs> like four little chapters and that's what I started from. I went back and I read it. I went back and I looked at the research that I'd done. Um, and and I, I just made a real decision that I wanted to dig in in this okay. space. Um, and I did. So what was that work on? Was it like in a notebook? Was it a computer file? So so what I did was I, I had a, a computer file that I did. I like wrote it out. And then I, back in those days, I printed everything. So uh -huh. I printed both pages and, <laughs> and my little outline and little things about who the main character might be. So I had a little bit of an outline, a little bit of a, of a story plot twist thing going and, um, and a couple of little chapters. Ironically, that first chapter looks very similar to what it what? was 20 years ago. When I went back and I looked at it, I, it's much sharper, much better and little, there are definite nuances um, um, there, but it, it's still there. Um, and then um, it's it's it yeah. So I had it there, and then, and then I have a notebook. I'm a notebook person, mm -hmm. and so I go to libraries. And if I take if I'm at a library, I'm taking notes in my little notebook. And so I had like just a three ring binder type, uh, not uh, not, uh, not a three ring binder, but like a regular spiral notebook um, from back then. And I didn't. I don't know if I found that notebook. I'm trying to think, but because I do have a notebook, but it's like super old as well. Like I have a couple because it took Imagine over the time it took a couple, but I do have this old notebook that is like Imagine I would like stuff papers that I've copied into it and it's like this big now. <laughs> How, it's so wild that that idea, those early writings that sat there for so long, are now part of a Newbery Medal-winning book. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Um, it just it, it it I had a real vision. I know it sounds odd for you. Like you don't know me, you don't, you haven't seen my work, yeah. but um, I had a real vision when I picked this up. I, I felt as though this was a way that we could restart and re-engineer and rethink this really hard topic. Uh, I really did want to change the world in that space. I wanted to mm -hmm. make an impact. Um, so I started with this great purpose um and, and i was afraid of it of course okay. like what do, who am i <laughs> to do this work but but behind free water is great purpose i'm very curious what it was like to create the setting that song i mean it i i had no idea about any of of these maroon communities and to be able to create this setting like was there much to go on with research like you created it almost felt like an alternate world i mean it really, i guess it kind of was in a way so can I, you talk about that process i'm glad you described it in that way because i definitely wanted to feel that way i wanted it to feel as though 
you were detaching yourself from the the world that we typically know of enslavement and on the plantation to a space that is literally like in a literary way a, a departure but also emotionally and and psychologically a departure, which is why there's a sky bridge to get you there. Um, you could walk there, of course you could find a way there, but it, I just think that in that space, you're better able to hear and know the voices and the people that are there in that time without that fear of, well, what's coming next? Who's gonna bust in? Who's gonna, <laughs> without the fear of victimization always on your shoulder. Um, and so I love that. Um, now, in terms of just how I build the space, um, I, of course I went to the Great Dismal Swamp. Um, of course I read what swamps were like and things like that. Um, and 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 I think, I'm sorry, but the swamp is kind of a gimme, right? It's kind of, <laughs> when you start talking about a place, literally when you say dismal swamp, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's eh, kind of a softball for <laughs> storytelling. Yeah. And so you start going with the mud and the, and I, if you look for the Great Dismal Swamp, they actually have like, um, you know, uh, discussions about uh, or or things about what plants are there, what foliage, you know, what animals, all sorts of things. And I didn't totally try to cement myself to those things, but I did. But it was nice to be able to sort of get a sense as well. So, mm. so when you when you pick this back up and you start deciding to continue to work on the process. You have so many different characters in this book that tell the story together. Did you, did they all come at once? Did it start with Homer? Were they coming in a different, what was that? I'm always fascinated by like all of these puzzle pieces that fit together. Absolutely. I was fascinated too. <laughs> the, the very first draft, I remember thinking I had, I was. I remember thinking, well, I don't know about characters that much, so maybe if I just have a few, like mm -hmm. the fewer the better, <laughs> and let's try to work work on that. Um, and so I just started. And imagine my first draft. There was no Ada. Mm -hmm. I, I even though my original thought was to have two children, I immediately thought, geez, that might. I don't know. That might be a bit much. So let's just have Homer. <laughs> And so I just had him and a couple of other characters. And of course, I read it after I finished that draft. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like pretty boring. Um, and so, and so, and so um, I, I went immediately back to and restarted and layered in another character or or pull the character. Usually it's not like the characters weren't there. It's usually that they might have mm -hmm. been in the periphery and you just sort of pull them forward and allow us to see that person better, allow us to see, as opposed to just being someone you mention and move on, it becomes a real a, an entity within the story. And so that's what happened over time, literally layering on and layering on a character at a time um, until, it, until each one felt real to me. Um, what was the hardest part about writing this book? Uh, well, getting over that hump was pretty hard for me. Um, and it was also the most rewarding thing um, uh, to, to sort of learn characters and, and learn them and grow them in such a way so that 
I, I commune with them still. Like I, I think about them still, um, which is amazing to me actually. Um, the other hard part was of course, trying to figure out perspective. Um, and, and I do do multiple perspectives here and I'm really proud of that in the end, how it worked out. But it, I got to a point where I wasn't really sure. I imagine it was all written in third person. Um, and I knew that that wasn't quite what I wanted. I knew it, it just, it just didn't have, I wasn't digging into the story in the way that I would have wanted. And so working with my mentor at the time, Kathy Appelt, we just talked about things. So I imagine I wrote a whole draft where it was first person with just Homer. And I wrote another draft where it was first person with Homer and then first person with Fonzie. And then I wrote another draft where <laughs> and went back and forth between the two. And it was just, I, I mean, I really, it's, it was a labor of, love and blood, sweat and tears to get through and discover and really nail down what perspectives and how it would be told and from where, from whom, by wow. whom. So when you write like these whole drafts from different characters' point of view, is it still like at, at the heart, the same story? You know, it's interesting you say that. Um, when I did my draft with Homer, and that is when I actually got a mentor because I, I knew I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna apply for this mentorship and I wanted to have a total new way that I was that I would go about it and so I wrote the whole thing in the Homer perspective and I took away my original ending and my original it changed I changed the story around quite a bit because it it required that I mean there was no way that I could have taken my third person story and had Homer in all the different places that I wanted him to be in. He, he just couldn't be there. He couldn't be back at the plantation and in <laughs> free water. And so imagine that I had to take all of that out and just sort of reconfigure the story. And so I did that. And um, I'm glad I did it because then I got to learn about Homer and I got to grow him. But then I, after I did that, I went back and pulled in the old, pulled in my old ending again, and it changed it again. And so it's like, I, I actually have never reread that draft that I first shared with Kathy, um, my mentor at that time, but it was really specifically to break through the wall and make it so that I could be right in the first person. And then it came back again to third person. So it's like a melding of the two worlds that ended up coming, coming to fruition. It's it like creating a book like it's so much work. Yeah. Like yeah. And like you don't even know. I mean, like obviously, like this ends with not ends, but like it has a chapter where it wins the Newberry Medal. I guess that's more towards I don't know the beginning even. But like, what's it like when you don't know? Like you don't know if this will ever be a book. You're just like putting all of this into something. And I know you had you said like you had that bigger purpose. Yeah. With this, but. What's that like when it's just you and your mentor and your computer? Uh, you know, and, and uh, it's interestingly enough, Kathy didn't come till well in. Like I, okay. it, it, so many, so much time before yeah. her. But even though she was she came at a pivotal moment, through all of that time, the itch wouldn't go away. You know, apparently I have a personality. It's kind of a digger personality, and I, I will keep digging until I could find it. I always felt that. Um, the story was out there. It was almost like it was just sitting out there and I was writing my way to it. Um, and so I, um, I always just felt as though I, I just needed to do one more draft and I might reach it. It was almost like I kept jumping. I'm like, just another draft and I might reach that rung. Uh, and to 
too much chagrin now. I often felt like each draft might be my last, <laughs> which ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. And so I really felt like I would finish a draft sometimes and I'd be like, yes, <laughs> I've made it. And then I go back and read it and I'm like, no, it's not there. I haven't, I haven't reached the room. Yeah, that it is interesting. Like if you would have been told how much work it would have been, if it would have made it harder. Well, now that I'm working on my second novel, <laughs> I definitely can attest to the ignorance is bliss. Uh, oh, because you know, you know. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> so what is it like working on a second novel? Has it gotten harder since you won the Newberry Medal? Is it different? I'm sure you're very busy. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, I'm much busier and I'm still learning what it'll mean to balance that. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for any work that I did prior to the medal um, mm -hmm. to be able to sort of lay some groundwork there. Um, and I'm still, I'll figure it out because uh, that itch is there. Um, yeah. I do want to, I do want to keep going um, and, um, and it'll, it'll be fine. It'll I, ha I have to ask or all my friends will be upset. Can you tell us about getting the Newberry call? Oh, uh, it was super amazing. It was cool. Um, so imagine I'd already gotten the CSK call. You got the, okay, it came it, first. It, the so what's the timeline? When did that one come? That came about, mm, I don't know, about three in the afternoon, maybe. Sunday just, afternoon, okay. Yeah, just randomly. I did not know they called people. I thought they just released like a press release or something okay. to, let, to let people know. And so I go and I, that was amazing. And I felt just overwhelmed i to be honest i started yelling and screaming when i got that first call so i wasn't 100 percent sure when i got off the call if i had won the actual award or just the or the honor but i was like well, this is fine it's fine <laughs> either way like, are you yelling words or just like sounds like what I, what i was like crying like oh my god <laughs> so I was, like crying well I, I don't even i don't even remember what i said i okay. i'm sure it was something to the point of like it's this is wonderful it's amazing i'm sure it was something like that and my husband actually i'm not sure it was something like that because my husband came running thinking that something happened he was like what happened <laughs> and so we so go through that call imagine my whole family we got on a zoom call we had a Aww. little party and so there's and then the newberry call came and i can only it, i it was like the whole world shifted like it was like i could just feel like my life just shift like I, and I, I don't know if you have this, but maybe storytellers have this thing where you have this sense of the arc of your life and like, you, you're like, oh, here's the dramatic high point and then here's the, and then it'll probably end like this. And so to have that sort of put into the arc, I just, I just didn't, it was, I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Yeah. And um, I, that is when I really did just drop to my knees and, and, and just try to, to be in that moment and appreciate and, and and I cried and I, I yeah. So, like you obviously knew this was how big of a moment this was, how big of an honor this was. I guess we. I, I wonder if if you even now can truly understand how big of a deal it is and how life changing it will be. Um, I each day I get a better understanding. Okay. Of in part because the wonderful thing about winning the Newberry is that past Newberry winners mm -hmm. call you and they welcome you to the to the, the club. Thing. Yes. It's a wonderful thing. It's just, it's it, they and they are so just straightforward and kind and, and understanding of that moment. Uh, and so I'm, I did, I've learned quite a bit. Um, and I, 
it's interesting. I, last year I did attend the gala event, and oh. it, which was which was wonderful. I'm so glad that I, I live in DC, and so my publisher invited me, and so it was in DC, and so I attended both the CSK breakfast oh. and the gala event, and so I knew where that you know I sort of knew where I would be and what I'd be doing, um, and and I and that was a hundred year anniversary. So imagine they flash every person that had won for the last hundred years up on the screen, and so I knew where I fit in that way. And so it's so, but in terms of like my everyday life and things that I'm still learning. Uh, yeah. It's interesting to see what jobs in my inbox each day. Uh-huh. So <laughs> when you were in DC last year, did the thought cross your mind? The, well, um, the, a prayer crossed my mind. Um, I prayed that I could uh, get back to that room. Um, uh, I, and I definitely wanted to be honored in some way. You know, I was like, if, 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 if and, and it wasn't for me. I mean, honestly, it's because I, the, my one thing after all that work was that free water wouldn't just disappear. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and that's, I guess every writer has that feeling. They just want to know that their work mattered. And I do think that this work matters in a way that is both literarily important, but beyond that, uh, in the way that we think about this time period and this history. And so I really, really was hoping that it could, it could get that extra boost and encouragement for people to read it, which I think this topic needs um, from them, from both committees, to be honest, from CSK and from the Newberry. Yeah. Last question. Yeah. Um, What is your hope for this book? My hope is that it can reach far and wide. Um, My hope is that children and adults alike but children particularly can read it and will read it and will find a new, will we'll find a way to relate to this topic that is built on inspiration, that is built on extraordinary sense of, of, of like awe and, and, and amazement at the strength and character of enslaved individuals. And that in understanding that of the system being of that enslavement system being terrible, but even more so a feeling of extraordinary awe from what came out of that with in terms of humanity. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you to Amina for creating a magical book for readers and for chatting with me. I had a great time talking with her. Thank you to my co-host, Travis Yonker, for helping me to produce this episode. Travis and I are huge NBA fans, so our messages are currently maybe 50% about the Yarn podcast and 50% about the upcoming NBA playoffs. Travis, I hope you are well. Thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. Additional music for this episode comes from the Free Music Archive. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world to us. I'm Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening.